Welcome back to the Chronic Lifestyle Podcast. It's your boy, Coach Chronic here. Um, I first want to say thank you for tuning in. I appreciate you tuning in on a second day this week, besides Thursday, coming up later this week. Um, and I also want to say that I'm not home. I am actually off-site. So if there's a little background noise, I apologize in advance. Might be some slams of doors, some um, loud people walking by, but we still going to get it in. So... Today, we got that true-false elaboration because a lot of the statements that I say um, require a lot more attention than just a um, yes or no answer, true or false answer, this is this, this is that. Because with everything, it's always, it depends. There's, there's rarely ever a case unless it's mathematically based or scientifically based, and even that's debatable because really all things are theory. Nothing is absolute. So with that being said, let's look at our first question. Cheat days help people stay adherent to diets. I go back and forth on this. And I say that because I think mentally you're thinking about it backwards. When you associate rewarding yourself for being adherent to your program with like, this is bad. I shouldn't be eating this. I'm a bad person. I'm doing bad on my diet. That mental uh, blockage and that, that mental uh, sort of in, in inhibition is, is what's going to kill your progress long term. Because when you continually associate a negative emotion with a food or an action or alcohol, fries, you know what I mean? You will continually put yourself down when you should be uplifting yourself, you should be rewarding yourself. You should be excited to eat your fries. You should be excited to eat your burger. You should be excited to do the things that you like to do because you like them. And as long as you're still adhering to that 80-20 um, rule that I always talk about, 80% wholesome, nutritious foods that are going to fuel your workouts, give you um, the best nutrients and recover you optimally, and 20% other things you enjoy, french fries, burgers, etc. Something wrong with that. Too often we attach negative emotions like cheating on our diet by eating food. Like it's just food. Stop giving it so much power and you'll see your results friggin' quadruple. I'm kidding, but I'm not. Um, so um, at the same token, though, I think that treat days with a T, not a C-H, treat days um, are important. And I think that if that helps a person adhere to their diet long-term for whatever goal they have, that's great. But when building a lifestyle, keyword, lifestyle versus diet, one is long-term, one is short-term. Can you guess? I'll give you a hint. Diet is short-term. A diet is either a habitual you know, caloric intake, what you're eating normally, or it is a short-term goal-based initiative to accomplish something, right? So it's, you have a point A and a point B. With lifestyle, there is no point B. There is only the journey. It is, it is just continual. We eat, we live, we thrive, right? So um, I think that if someone is on a short-term based goal uh, oriented diet 
a treat day where they're rewarding themselves, not by going crazy and eating seven burgers and, you know, 25 pancakes like we're not the rock. That motherfucker goes hard like he goes hard in the paint. So we're not him. You are you. I am me. We cannot eat like that and look like he does. It's just not going to happen. Um, no one can match his work ethic, work ethic. Excuse me. I don't care what you say about steroids, whatever. The guy works hard. So um, treat days are a good thing. Treat meals are a good thing. Whether you space out your 20% over the week by adding like chips or, you know, a small corner of french fries or you save your 20 percent for the end is completely up to you and your adherence and your tolerance and what you can manage it's all based on you coffee break one moment that shit is amazing so to wrap this up do what works best for you and take away the negative emotion that comes from eating food when you can detach yourself from that food it doesn't have power over you when it doesn't have power over you it does nothing to your mental state besides the the physiological changes that food has on your body but from like the emotional standpoint like oh my god ice cream oh my god french fries i'm a bad person oh oh, stop that shit just stop and your results will improve next Oh, I gotta skip me talking. And um, yeah, I'm sorry, y'all. I, I was in New York. I was visiting my cousin for his uh, his birthday, so I was actually doing that uh, story answer thing on the run, which I don't usually do. I usually take time to sit down and talk to y'all, but I was with my homie, so y'all be alright. Ooh, I like this one because this is one I used to believe. And please don't get it twisted. I used to believe a lot of these things that um, you know or quote-unquote common knowledge, like myself, not even two years ago. So this is one thing. You only hydrate yourself through drinking water. Big false. Big, big, big false. If this were true, (laughs) we'd be fucked, (laughs) to be frank. Like, we'd be screwed. Because I know personally I don't drink enough water and... I'm working on it. You know, my, my coach, Cody Boom Boom, has made it very clear. Like, you need to drink this much amount of water every day, non-negotiable. And I'm like, shit. Because <laughs> hydrating yourself is so important. You don't really get rewarded for over-hydrating yourself. You really only get punished when you're dehydrated. Dehydrated, excuse me. Um, you know, lower energy levels, lack of performance, joint pain over time with chronic dehydration, like, there's only bad things that come with being under-hydrated, so it's really important, but um, we actually get a lot of our water from food, like, a shit ton, think of any vegetable, fruit, that, the water inside of the fruit, like, um, any very watery uh, vegetables, like celery, um, even even uh, lettuce, spinach, like all these things have water in them innately. So um, we get a lot of our food, sorry, a lot of our water from food, um, from coffee that has water in it. I mean, soda and juice also have some water, but not, obviously not the best source of water, but um, just to be technical here. So um, don't just think that you get only uh, water from water. 
you get a lot of other things. Uh, wow, I can't even talk right now. Sorry, y'all. Um, you get water from a lot of other things. Okay, let's move on. What is this talking issue I'm having? I'm tired. Being real, I'm tired. But I'm good. Okay. Training programs should be mostly cardio with some weight training for fat loss. I need a coffee break. That's a big no. Big, big, big no. It's the literal opposite. And this one frustrates me a lot because I understand the appeal. I understand the simplicity of just jumping on a treadmill and just like walking or running for an hour. Like, I think um, in the very beginning, when you're just kind of getting your feet wet and you just want to be more active, that's that's great. Like, I'd rather you do that than nothing, but we can't do that shit forever. Cardio should not be 80% of your program. Shouldn't even be 20%, in my opinion. It should be like 10. Like, it should be so small where it's just like a little bit, bit of sugar on top. You shouldn't be thinking of the gym as a source of cardio. You should be adding more cardio in your day-to-day life. I'm talking about taking the stairs or going for walks. Like, 10-minute walks three times a day. Something simple as that can really lead to a shit ton of fat loss. Stop walking on treadmills all day. So, your training program should be mostly weight training with very little cardio for fat loss. Why? Because the best way to burn fat is to build muscle. When you build more muscle, your body quite literally has to work harder to carry that muscle on your body. So, your basal metabolic rate, resting metabolic rate, depending on super technicalities that we're not going to go into because no one is in a lab right now. Um, Your body's resting metabolic rate will increase slightly, not a lot. It's not like like 2,000 calories or anything like that. Um, But the amount of calories that your body burns just to be a body, to be a human, to digest and to pump blood and to do basic things increases because it has to work harder with all the muscle you're carrying. So just by that fact alone, if you can even increase your um, resting metabolic rate by shit, 150, 200 calories over a couple months, like that's fucking great. And that's daily, by the way. That's, that's just 100 to 250 calories that you don't need to eat because your body's burning that for you. So it's helping you get into that deficit if you're trying to lose weight. So um, building more muscle will help you burn fat the best by far. Next. Ooh, this is a good one. Protein from chicken is better than protein from a protein shake. And I got a question for you. How many proteins is a protein protein to make more protein? The answer is yes. (laughs) Um, this one was actually pretty split decision. There's a lot of people saying, um, true. A lot of people saying false. It was, uh, 52 to, hold on, 52 to 48%. It's, it's pretty good. Um, I'm, I'm happy that this is such a split decision. So the word better 
in this context. It's kind of like, eh, because it all depends, right? Again, there's that D word again. Depends, 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 depends. It depends on the person's schedule. It depends on um, how much chicken they can handle, just like mentally. Like, I don't want to eat any more chicken. I hate chicken, blah, blah, blah. Um, there's so many factors that go into um, whether this is better or not. I, of course, will always, always shoot for whole foods over supplements just because you want to build a habit around eating whole foods and not using as supplements. Those should be like the last things or like add-ons. Um, now, with that being said, some people, like I said, have very busy schedules and they can't get all the protein that they need in meals. So I think protein bars, protein shakes, like on the go, if you're like someone who travels a lot, a lot of my clients are consultants and they're always on the road. And for them to get all of their food or excuse me, all of their protein from Whole Foods is sometimes unrealistic simply because they're on a plane for five hours and they get like one meal from the uh, the plane. It's not that great, right? So, um, yes, a protein bar and a protein shake is not technically a whole food. However, it is better in this case because they can actually adhere to their macros and see the gains they want to see. But from a long-term lifestyle standpoint, I think chicken is obviously better than um, a protein shake. But for the purposes of getting the uh, sufficient macronutrient amounts to hit their daily goals, they're equivalent, quite literally. So um, it really just depends on what your schedule is like, how much chicken you can eat, whether you like protein shakes or not. Like It just completely depends on the person. So, yeah. All right. What do we have here? Ooh, this is a good one. Um, I could do a whole podcast on this. Um, low back pain comes from weak lower back muscles. One moment. Um, little side rant here. I get a ton of DMs from people um, saying like, yo, my, my shoulder's fucked up. Can you fix it? <laughs> or like, my hip is messed up. What do I do? You know, my scapula is like off. Help. And I can't help you. And the reason I can't help you is because it would be negligent for me to say, oh, yeah, that's this. Do this. Because I don't know your story. I don't know your medical history. I don't know your training history. There's so many things I don't know about you that for me to just prescribe some training exercise or some mobility routine or exercise simply based off a photo or my shoulder hurts, like it's just like I can't do that. It's quite literally negligent for me to do that. Um, I'm trying to think of a good example to uh, match this. It's like if you went into a doctor's office and then you said, my stomach hurts, and they gave you penicillin. Like, you don't know that the penicillin is going to help the stomach ache. You could just have gas. Like, <laughs> you don't know. You know what I mean? So you can't just, like, expect people online to help you um, with a very generic, common issue. And that's because everybody is different. Everybody has pain for different reasons. Obviously, there are similarities, and some people have similar issues, and that's and we can go, we'll get into that. But 
just from an individualistic standpoint, everybody's different. So you can't expect the same answer for one person to be the same answer for you. So now with low back pain specifically, there are a ton of reasons, a ton, a ton, a ton, a ton of reasons why you could have lower back pain. I'll give a few examples as to why um, you might have low back pain. And it might not necessarily be from, quote unquote, weak lower back muscles. Um, this was majorly false. Most of you said false, 65, 35%. So um, one reason you might have low back pain is because your hip flexors are tight. Now you might be saying, wait, that's in the front of your body. Why do you hip flexors cause low back pain? If you look at the skeleton or just Google hip anatomy, um, you'll see that the psoas major connects to the lower spine. It kind of like circles under the rib cage and then it goes into the, the lower back. And when that's tight, that can pull at your lower back and give you some pain. So you could quite literally do all the lower back stretches you want and do all the hyperextensions you want. But if your hip flexors are still tight and weak, you will still see that pain. Right. So like that's that's an example of if I if I, you know, were negligent and said, oh, yeah, just do some, you know, some hyperextensions and, you know, some low back stretches and you'll be fine. You might see relief for like five minutes, maybe even an hour, maybe even the rest of the day. But I can almost guarantee tomorrow when you wake up, you're going to be like, oh, fuck, my back hurts again. I'm going to go back to this guy and see what's going on. So that's one reason. Um, another reason you might have lower back pain is because your quadratus lumborum, there's, uh, the, there's two of them on the sides of your, your lower back that are also connected to your lower back. If those are tight, those can give you low back pain. Um, and that can sometimes be specifically to one side. So if that QL is tight, it can be pulling at the lower spine and, and um, it can cause some hip hiking, which over time can lead to some grinding and um, some issues with your uh, the hip socket on either the left or right side. So um, you can see how complicated it gets when one compensation happens and one tilt or this thing goes here, shit just gets all out of whack. Um, so that's why it's so complicated and hard to just like prescribe an exercise for my back hurts. Um, but yeah, so like the QL, um, if you just, again, Google hip anatomy or lower back anatomy, lumbar anatomy, um, you can see where those attach. And uh, again, if those are tight and weak, pain, usually. Um, I'm, I'm telling you guys, like the list goes on. Another reason you could have lower back pain is because you got tight ass hamstrings. Um, when you sit a lot, and this is called lower cross syndrome, um, when you sit a lot, you your hips go into anterior pelvic tilt, meaning um, there's like an arc at your lower back, and it can almost like, when it's really bad, it can be like a shelf where your, your, your uh, glutes kind of just like stick up in the air, and there's like a little like crevice in, at your lower back, and that is just constantly, constantly, constantly putting pressure on your lower back, especially if you sit a lot. That's usually how you get um, lower cross syndrome from sitting a lot. So that usually and will always most likely cause lower back pain. And it might not happen for years. It might just be like one day you got, you got pain. Boom. Your body is very, very, very adaptable. 
and is very um, tolerant to a point. When you start getting that pain, it's like your body's like, yo, something's up. Like, I need help. And pain is a great communicating tool. It is a great uh, lesson. And it is a great option to see what's going on, right? When we ignore pain, when we nullify pain with drugs and, and you know, we, oh, this is what I have to deal with because I'm old or, you know, I used to play sports, so fuck it. Like, I'll just, it's fine. Wear and tear. I can't do anything about it. When we ignore that and learn to live with that, your body will adjust to that mentally. You'll stop noticing that pain is there and then it'll get worse. You'll ignore it. It'll get worse. You'll ignore it. And then it'll be so freaking bad to where walking is difficult and getting out of bed is difficult. So if you are in pain, you have pain, don't ignore it. Take steps. Get checked out. Go to a physical therapist. Go to someone you trust to help you out and, and assess you and see what the fuck's going on with your body so you can get some help. Um, so there's so many things that come with pain and come with like uh, issues with the body that, again, I cannot prescribe you an exercise or a movement that will, quote unquote, fix you. Um, fixing takes hard work dedication and consistency above all so when you do get assessed or if you get assessed um to my clients listening to this i talk about this all the time right take the advice and apply it consistently and then see how it feels if you do it however many times a day or a week the person says to do it and you see no changes you tell them hey i've done this for three weeks now there's literally no change. What's up? And it is that person's job, quite literally, to say, okay, let's take another stab at this and try something else. And if they can't help you, if they're like, well, I thought these stretches would do it, you got to go somewhere else. Because they can't help you. Like, they can't. And you shouldn't accept anything less than the best for you in your body because you got one body. Like, you got one. <laughs> ain't no coming back. So, I ain't trying to live in pain for the rest of my life. I know you ain't either. So, take the time. Be diligent. Be consistent. Find someone that will work with you and help you to what you need. So, yeah. So, don't ask me to help you with your back because I'm not going to help you. I can't help you, quite literally. Okay. So, that is it for today. Um, thanks for tuning in. Um, a couple things coming at you soon. I got another podcast this Thursday. Um, I don't remember who's on this week. I have to look at that. Um, it may be, it might be my, my boy um, Danny at Iron Crew Athletics. I'm pretty sure it is, but I got to double check. So look out for that Thursday. Um, chronic strength is still in development. I know, I know, I know, I know, I know. It's coming soon, 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 soon. All right, y'all. And that is it for today. The Chronic Lifestyle Podcast is out. What's up, y'all? Thank you so much for tuning in. I really appreciate your time. And if you enjoyed what you heard and you enjoy all my other podcasts as well, please give me a five-star rating and review. It really helps me climb the iTunes charts and gets my message out there to more people who have more questions, like I said before, that may be your own. All right. Thank you so much. Peace.